Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Joined this morning by Mark Hinton and Ross Carl as we look at uh, a number of issues and we can't get away from this one, Mark Hinton. Uh, It's been uh, one of the themes of the show um, and the station, in fact, over the last couple of days, this Matt Lodge scenario. Now playing uh, second division rugby in Brisbane, we're told, uh, with $700,000 of Warriors money in his back pocket. How cool for Matt Lodge. Yeah, Smithy, yeah, this is just remarkable. Uh, um, and seems to me and to you and to, I guess, a lot of people in New Zealand and in Australia that this is just another example of the club dropping the ball. Look, I, we may not know all the details of this um, arrangement, shall we say, they, uh, that the club has with, with Lodge. And I understand the Warriors CEO, Cameron George, who's, who's normally pretty upfront about things, is is sort of hiding behind confidentiality arrangements here. So so whether we know the full story, but what we do know is the Warriors have paid about 700000 um, for him to go play uh, suburban rugby in, in, in Brisbane. And... Um, um, it just seems extraordinary. Basically, he's going to be a hit, a hit on their salary cap for the next uh, season and uh, the, this rest of the season and next season. For what? Um, it just uh, uh, the mind boggles, Smithy. The mind boggles for a club that doesn't hasn't got a lot right in, in uh, 2022 and doesn't seem to have this one right. Why would you release the guy? You know, um, for reasons I guess that are personal to him, his family didn't want to move to Auckland. Um, why would you release him but still pay him out? It doesn't make sense, and I'm not sure we've heard heard a viable explanation. No, I agree, uh, Ross Carl. I wouldn't mind having his agent if I needed an agent. I wouldn't mind having his because it does. It doesn't seem that uh, when he signed this, there, there was too many upsides from the from the Warriors' point of view. I mean, I look at something like that and I'd say. Uh, at some point, he will re-sign with someone, Ross, and he'll actually be paid by the Warriors to beat the Warriors at that exorbitant amount of money. Well, and that was the amazing thing when they first signed them, because Brisbane were paying the first million dollars of the contract. So they they seem to be getting that deal. And then suddenly this information breaks this week, and it's a completely different kind of deal. And it's really hard to kind of get your head around how this works, especially when he's been with the club for less than a year. Um but I suppose to me, Smithy, you know, they say that, you know, the best indicator of future behaviour is past behaviour. So if you sign a person like that, don't expect to rely on them. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good point. He had a checkered uh, background, of course, and this just adds to it as well. And, and my, but he is laughing. He's laughing his way to the bank. I mean, it, Ross, in, in business terms, if you look at business terms, uh, at, at the very least, when you have a contract and you have to pay a guy out, out over a period of time who can't work for you anymore as such, there's something like a restraint of trade or something in there, but it doesn't. Uh, it, maybe there is one, and that's why he's playing a bit of uh, second division rugby in Brisbane, but you know, hope at least there's a restraint of trade. His rugby coach, I read, um, basically said, well, we don't expect him to have him next week. He might be signed to a new NRL contract. So if that's anything to go by, maybe not. Okay, right. Let's uh, get to some uh, rugby, Mark Hinton. Uh, this it baffles me. That absolutely. I, I, I like Cameron George. I know Cameron George. I just hope at some stage we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this so we can get some clarification. Uh, an opinion uh, from Sir John Kerwin yesterday, uh, Mark Hinton, to the effect that he thinks Roger Tuivasa Sheik has done enough and should be in the All Blacks from the get go. How are you feeling about this? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with. JK on this one. I don't always agree with some of his views, but I think he's got this one right. I think he will be in there, um, but uh, but he may not be the starting 12. I, I I get a feeling that the All Blacks will look at Roger Tuivasa-Sheik as a project in 2022 and and basically continue to fast-track his development. Look, he, I, I spoke to him this week, Smitty, for a, a feature that will run in our National Sunday papers at the weekend. It's just remarkable, this guy's... Um, attention to detail, his um, commitment, his drive. Um, for a guy that's done what he's done across in the other code, uh, he really is putting everything into this rugby thing and, and, and leaving no stone unturned and really does have the blinkers on. He's not even thinking about the All Blacks as far as he's concerned because he just has so much sort of on a weekly basis to think about around rugby because the game doesn't come naturally to him yet. Look, for a guy who the game doesn't come naturally to. He's starting to play very, very well, isn't he? You have to think there's so much upside in him that the All Blacks will carry him. I have him about... Um, I have him two or three on my depth chart, Smithy, at 12. I, you know, I think um, Quintu Tupaia is probably the form 12 in the New Zealand game at the moment. I think Jack Goodhue uh, is probably the premier 12 in the New Zealand game when he gets back into full flight. We know he's coming back from a long-term injury. Of course, he's the Geordie Barrett factor. Um, do that? Are they tempted to push him there and allow Will Jordan to play in his best position? And look, I have David Havili down around four or five. I just don't think he's he's kicked on from last year. He, his form was pretty average on the end of year at the well, the back half of the end of year um, tour scenario. Um, and so I have them sort of maybe on the outside looking in, although I do know their loyalty to incumbents. So it's a very interesting position, but I think they have to find room for Roger to have us as Smitty. His upside is that much. Yeah, I, I tend to agree that they will. I'm not 100% sure that he's shown me enough just personally. But Ross, what about you? Look, I'd be happy for him to start from the All Blacks. Um, probably my mind has changed slightly over the last couple of weeks because of the form of Tupaya and the power running he has, his ability to break tackles and get over the game line. I think that word is the key thing for the All Blacks. At 2019 in the semi-final, they struggled because they didn't have a person who can get over the game line. You know, Jack Goodhue and Anton Brown aren't known as guys who smash and bash and get through those holes and get over. They're more touch players. They're more about finding holes, moving laterally, um, running good lines outside of people, um, which is why I think that Jack Goodhue's maybe more of a centre than he is a second five. 
Um, he has a big body, but he doesn't necessarily use it in that way. So for me, it comes down to Jupaya and Roger Tuivasa-Sheck because I think if you you certainly look to fullback, it's hard to ignore Geordie Barrett as fullback. So yeah, I would put Roger Tuivasa-Sheck there. He offers a slightly different kind of thing at the game line where it's a little bit of late foot movement and those kind of things. Probably need to add a kicking game in there, at least the ability, but Having been a first receiver in league, we've seen that his distribution skills are good. His defence is getting there. We saw how fast he is when he ran down Nick White on the weekend over 60 metres. Um, I think that cohesion is really important. Bowden Barrett is the best 10 in the country. Rico Ioane, for me, is the best 13 in the country. So a person who plays between them, um, like RTS, for me, should get a shot this year. And they need to settle this year. We've just been chopping and changing for years in the midfield. If they want to win the World Cup next year, they need to have a balanced midfield that's been there and knows each other. I think that they've got to give him a shot this year. Otherwise, there's really no point in them giving him the shot next year. I totally agree. If it is to be, it should be as soon as possible uh, for time uh, under their strategies, not just the Blues strategies, although there is a, an element in common there, and that, of course, is Joe Smith. Uh, right, it's 10.31 here on SENZ. We're going to take a very short break for the news. When we come back, we'll have Ross Carl and Mark Hinton with some more issues. The panel. here on SENZ and we're smack bang in the middle of the panel with uh, Ross Carl and Mark Hinton and uh, Mark I see uh, Brodie Retallick set to return uh, to the fold for the Chiefs in Lotoka at the weekend that'll be a nice little warm comeback for him but also uh, alongside each other in the uh, Crusaders starting lineup uh, Scott Barrett and uh, of course Sam Whitelock so the the old boys uh, might be just getting a little bit nervous uh, a month to go in Super Rugby before uh, we get set for International Rugby what do you reckon about the locking situation? Yeah look it's interesting um, lock uh, almost encapsulates the cha- the challenges I guess or the uh, dilemma facing uh, All Blacks coach Ian Foster Ross talked about it um, there's you know, there's really only a month and a half, uh, sorry, a year and a half to go to the Rugby World Cup. There is no time for for kind of mucking around. There's no time for experimentation now, Smithy. Um, Foster has to settle on, on on his group for the World Cup now and start playing them t- together and start giving them, you know, time to build that form and momentum and to turn things around from what we saw at the end of last year. And, you know, they've got a guy like Sam Wylock. What a servant for New Zealand rugby he's been. But does he go another year and a half? That's one of the big questions Ian Foster's going to have to ask. And you have to think that the next, not not so much this weekend, um, but certainly, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals, final of Super Rugby, uh, it tells you you a lot about test match readiness, probably more than than a regular season of Super Rugby does. Um, You know, this is when it all goes on the line. This is when the intensity ramps up. This is when you see the class of people. So, uh, yeah, I I really believe, particularly a Sam Whitelock, but even the Brodie Retallick, who hasn't played as much this year as he would have liked, they have a lot to show over the next three, four weeks. And um, the lock situation, Tupovai, to me, he's a must-start for the All Blacks now almost. I think you need a young, athletic, dynamic lock in the mix. So who do you start him with? Well, Brodie Retallick gets to show on on Saturday against the Drua that, that you know, it, for the first time, I guess, um, in a while, that it should be him. And you would think it would be him. Then you've got Sam, of course, Scott Barrett, also hovering a very good footballer. So some decisions to make, Smithy. And I think the next 
three, four weeks might shape those. Who starts against the Irish? Who comes off the bench? You know, and do, who, who gets the chance, basically, to show that the all-black forwards aren't the cream puffs they were at the end of last year? Very good point, that. Uh, very good point, because, uh, Ross, we do talk about the, the pretty boy side of it, uh, the backs. Uh, we look on the focus of those who are going to score the great tries and that for us and set up our midfield defence, etc. But even um, even the, the, the newbies in rugby understand the term, you've got to win it up front first, and we haven't been doing that. So these locking situations, these front row situations, deserve a hell of a lot of scrutiny this time round. That's right. And and that's where Brodie Retallick's, I think, really, really important. You know, he's 30 years old. He's had a few injuries. He's had a bat call. We're not 100% sure where he's at, but what we know is when he's at his best, he is the best. Um, but it's been a while since that era when Brodie Retallick and Sam Whitelock, maybe 2012 to 2018, undoubtedly the world's best locking combination. They used to tear the Wallabies apart. They used to take the Springboks apart, both on offensive and defensive lineouts. We haven't seen that for a while, and I think, and to repeat Mark's point, it's probably been a couple of years since we've seen vintage Sam Whitelock. You know, he still puts in a big shift and gets the work done, but maybe isn't where he was. Um, Scott Barrett is unreliable because of his discipline issues. Great player, but you never know whether he's going to be with you week by week in the last couple of years. And the group below, we just don't know whether they're world class. And so when Patrick Tupelosu comes back, there's a real need for him to almost be able to walk straight into this team because the rest are kind of untested, whether it's Tupovai or, um, you know, they've got a group of locks at the Chiefs that look like they've got quality. Uh, Koi, Finau, like there's some good players floating around, Quentin Strange at the Crusaders, but we don't know enough about them at the top level a year out from a World Cup. Probably the, mm. the person that I'd like to see have a crack is James Tucker from the Blues because he seems to have a test match approach. He seems to get in there, do the hard yards, clear out rocks, put in tackles, get his body on the line. And, and maybe that's the kind of person that we need in the squad to do what you're talking about, set that foundation and worry a little bit less about the fancy ball skills or the ability to run with it and just get the job done. Well, it's an interesting point you make too, uh, Ross, uh, about Patrick Tuopolota, because of course, uh, he's playing overseas, and that's exactly where Brodie Retallick uh, played overseas, and it appeared to just drop off a wee bit in intensity. So are you expecting Torpolota just to come back and hit the ground running when he does? Well, I wouldn't have thought so. It surely can't be that easy. You know, they talk about it being much easier on the body over there, and they all do when they come back because it's a different kind of rugby. I'm sure that that's changing slightly as there are more and more players of Brodie Retallick's ilk who go over there, and Brodie throws himself into everything, you know. Um yeah, it's a bit of a worry, and I think it's also a bit of a worry because when you look at the loose forward trio, and you know you'd expect Sam Kane being the captain to be there, and you'd expect Adi Savia to be as the best player to be at number eight. So you've got two pretty undersized guys for lineouts and internationals. So the importance of getting this locking combination right, especially if we're unsure whether Shannon Frizzell's back in time as a good blindside locking option. Um, a blindside, sorry, jumping option. I, I just worry a little bit about that area and whether that area that have been so strong, the line out and around the field with those players is still in the place that it should be. And they're going to have to have a really good think about what they do with their number six to help support these locks, whoever they choose, because they're going to need that person to be a really good option. Well, uh, Mark Hinton, just changing uh, codes uh, to cricket, and we have to because it's uh, only a week away now to the first ball, first test, Lords, 
Uh, good news for us. Um, Stuart Broad, who uh, is in the England camp, of course, is already complaining about the Duke ball, saying it's like a piece of plaster seen to bowl with, which I would imagine is great news for batsmen. <laughs> just quickly, um, uh, before I address that point, I'll, I'll, I'll just take Ross to issue on one thing you said there, and that's that Sam Kane's an automatic selection. I don't think he is. Mm. I think Dalton Papali is so far and away the best number seven in New Zealand rugby that Ian Foster has to be really, really thinking about who his number seven is, is going to be, and he's going to have a tough choice. Anyway, going on to the cricket, uh, this Smitty, I'm pleased you raised this because this to me just just smacks off of a team getting its excuses in first, doesn't it? You know, this isn't what England cricket really needs, given the state they're in and, and given this kind of rebuilding nature of, of where they are. A, you know, a leader, a guy, a senior player coming out and, and kind of already complaining, already kind of lining up the excuses. Look, you know, whatever ball it is, whatever the ball does, it's the same for both sides. Just get on with it, mate and play your best cricket and do your best with whatever equipment you're given. I don't buy I don't buy this, Smithy. I don't buy it at all. No, you wouldn't get a young bowler saying that this far out from a, the start of a test match. I can tell you that right here and now. But they do when they make a bad batch of cricket balls. I can promise you they make a bad batch of cricket balls. And usually it's the bowlers that complain about it. Fellas, so thank you very much. Mark Hinton, Ross Carl, thanks for your input this morning on the panel. It's been great. Uh, We shall have another one at the same time tomorrow morning, folks. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.